Freethinkers, and welcome back to another episode of the Free Thought Project podcast. My name is Jason Bassler, and joining me today is the Free Thought Project editor in chief, Matt Agarist. So, our guest this week is our good friend, Luis Fernando Mises. Luis is a longtime advocate for liberty and spent years in voluntary circles online. He is also the former secretary of the Tarrant County Libertarian Party and the founder of Emancipated Human. For years, Luis engaged in two-way advocacy and also feed-the-need activism, open carrying while feeding the homeless in North Texas. But about three years ago, Luis dealt with constant online censorship and saw the targeting of political activists as a formidable warning to redirect his energy and to step back out of the public spotlight to focus on work that went inward instead of centered on the external. Since then, Luis has been helping people with plant medicine, assisting them to remove trauma and fear through his breath work, and has even taught business professionals servant leadership skills. Luis is not only an educator, but also a healer, and if you've ever been interested in plant medicine, enthogens, psychedelics, and how they could possibly benefit your life and empower you to reach your full potential, this episode is absolutely a must-listen for you. Louis Louis, King Louis, what is up, man? So this interview is long overdue. I know we had planned to have you on several times over the past few years, but never worked out until now. So we're happy to have you here. And full disclosure, folks, Louis is one of mine and Matt's close friends and has been since at least 2012 or so, I think somewhere around there. So today we're going to be talking a bit about you and your work, hopefully get into your breath work and also several different types of inner work, self-healing with plant medicine, psychedelics, anthogens, and other forms of mindfulness. Uh, We wanted to have you on because we almost exclusively talk about activism and advocacy and that type of work in the external realm, but we rarely talk about what's going on inwards and how to heal our own traumas expand our minds, understand human consciousness, and I guess put the ego in check. So when I first met you a decade ago, you called yourself Libertarian Shaman. But since then, you've really expanded your own catalog of work, including hosting plant medicine ceremonies, meditation, breath work, discordianism, servant leadership, uh, speaking at conferences such as Anarchopoco, and of course, your longtime work with your website, Emancipated Human. So you, you never really slow down. You take on a lot of work, a lot of odd jobs, a lot of projects. And word has it, you actually throw some of the best house parties in North Texas. Uh, one of these projects was your recent consciousness and psychedelics conference that you helped put on in the beginning of this month in Arlington, Texas. Can you tell us about the conference, what the impetus was behind it, and if you'll be doing it again next year? Oh, my goodness. Well, 
first of all, thank you guys for having me. And like you said, we've been trying to do this for a while. And, you know, sometimes things don't work out how we want them. And, and you know, the focus of the scope of work is one. And, and sometimes life takes you in another place. Um, so consciousness conference. Uh, I got approached by a friend and he he started the consciousness conference and he did it one year by himself and you know quickly realized that like it really takes a team to get that done so he reached out to a handful of us the first year was probably like eight eight of us um and, and there were a lot of uh um you know more um than we needed to you know uh, people working on two things at a time things like that so you know we streamlined we had a much better um, team the second time and then the third time. So the idea behind it, the way you know that that Wes um, thinks about it, he's like he's received so much healing from plant medicine that he wanted to let the world know, and that's something that I can get fully behind. So he um, he allowed me to be part of the you know the creative team, and I'm. I'm uh, co-founder um, I guess because we started it like you know second time was kind of like our technical first time because you know of what I mentioned the first time didn't quite work um, one of the things that I like to say is we have more questions than answers you know like uh, the deeper that you get into this work with antiogens uh, but yeah you get answers to your questions you get healing you get all sorts of things but then the world gets bigger it's like, you know, the, <laughs> the way I felt it the first time was like when you're in a jacuzzi and then you jump into a pool, you feel how big the pool is. You feel the difference in the water temperature. You feel the massiveness, right? So that's kind of like what it feels like every time you upgrade or enlighten a little more. So we wanted to share that journey with a lot of people because I know that there's so many people that have a lot of questions just like us, so we can ask those questions together. And I don't think it's necessarily about answering. I think the, the, the people who have better quality of life, who have better results in life, are the ones who ask better questions. So, you know, that's all another caveat that I've discovered here. So, as we are able to further, you know, into this work, we see that you know, we can just ask those questions together and, and ponder and, and explain because I, I think that's what it's all about, you know, like creating, like, it's kind of like the universe playing hide and seek with itself. And then, like, that's the fun part. So I know there's a lot of, you know, people that would say, well, what about suffering? What about my grandma who died? Like, yes, I mean, there is that. But for the most part, it's about learning to see who we really are. That's a good way to put it, man. The, there's very few answers that entheogens or any kind of plant-based psychedelics or any kind of psychedelics give you. You know, it's it's more of an understanding instead of like an answer to a question. And um, I, I went through like a I used to be this asshole atheist, and it wasn't until I started delving into psychedelics that I actually questioned that. You know, like I was like, oh, I I, I I've questioned religion. Uh, naturally, you know, that came to me like, oh, this is kind of weird. Why are we pretending to eat the body and drink the blood of this dead guy? You know, that's kind of weird. And then that just led to me being an, an atheist, you know, and uh, 
but then when I did psychedelics, it it like wiped that away from me. It it left me with like, wow. So I was dead set that there is nothing out there bigger than me, you know, up until this point when I actually shook hands with it or it like became a part of me. Um that's what I wanted to ask you. Uh, I know that there's a lot of atheists in this psychedelic movement. And um, I guess I, I don't understand how people could be so sure that there is nothing higher than them if they've gone down one of these roads, you know, using plant-based medicine, something like that. Well, you know, that's that's a really that's not an easy one. Because, you know, just like anarchy, it doesn't mean that you don't believe in rules or that you don't believe in organization. It just means that you don't believe in rulers. So, like, if you really stick to that kind of, a, um, you know, wordsmithing, atheist, because I still at this point consider myself an atheist. And, and but Well, I meant like, I meant by atheism, I mean, where in, in this regard, where somebody who know they have absolute they're absolutely sure that there is no higher consciousness or higher connection to anything but their own body that's the that's what i meant yeah yeah no exactly i get it but and i was gonna make the distinction like you know that if we see it as like there's nothing beyond the body there's no, like when you die you know i mean yeah like it is challenging because that's what we know and it is challenging because like a lot of times we don't have the guts to ask those questions, you know, like and, and we don't necessarily um, think that it's valuable or even true to do certain things. But mushrooms, for instance, they were here like we separated from mushrooms like 650 million years ago. And those guys like I was seeing uh, some studies that like research stuff uh, two billion years they found a fossilized mushroom with the form that they actually already have. Dude, like, you know, those guys have been here way, way, way before we have, and they communicate with one another. They have these networks of connections. So I think that at some point it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, not really understanding even how life works, you know? Um, so, yeah, like... I think that there is just a form of pain that like takes you into that route, you know, a form of uh, like you're you have a chip on your shoulder for something. You're salty for some reason. And then you're like, well, fuck all of that. You know, that can't be true. But like, is it really, you know, like, you know, you yeah, no, it's exactly. But that's what I'm saying. So if there's one thing that that there that has come from my entire all my years of psychedelic use and exploration in that realm is that there is something else besides <laughs> you know it, it it definitely and and maybe that's what you just said maybe that's it's that's life we just don't understand or know how to perceive it but it's always been that way and um I, I guess I, the, to me that it just feels like something bigger, you know, and I, I don't know what that something bigger is during an ayahuasca experience. When I was with a shaman, I actually saw this like Godhead, this alien that kind of was scared of me and, you know, and didn't, and it was because I had all this anger and resentment in my body. And that's what it taught me, you know, like it told me that I had to get this out. So what, what the fuck is that? Right. That's why, like, I, I don't know if that's my unique experience inside my brain or 
the fact that so many other people have all these same experiences or very similar experiences and describe almost identical experiences in some cases with uh, with DMT and ayahuasca. And so that just, you know, that it makes it very hard to be so sure that there's that thing doesn't exist somewhere in some other realm. Dude, it will be like so um, easy to dismiss if everybody had a different experience. But like you said, you know, most people have a level of pattern, you know, that they can relate to. Um, so then you start thinking, okay, well, then is it like just making it up in my mind? That That's when, you know, hopefully people start questioning that. Um, and even at some point, I went to uh, an ayahuasca ceremony. And there were a bunch of us, I don't know, like 25 or so. We all saw the same damn thing. Like, we, how does that happen? You know, like, uh, that seems kind of impossible if, if it weren't, like, I, I hate this, you know, I'm afraid of using this word, but real, you know? Because what is real? But anyway, so if it wasn't there, how can 25 people see the same thing? You know, so the way I see it is like, it's something that allows you to see more um and and you know we can only see like 1.5 or 2 percent of the electromagnetic field and i i can see that when i take plant medicine i can see a lot more and even to the point that you can see like how all the dimensions are all together at the same time you know kind of like i mean I'm, I'm not a religious person but i really like a lot of the things that jesus says and he says you know like if i were to tell you that everything is right here right now you wouldn't believe me anyway you know paraphrasing like all oh, let's say like everything is here but you don't see it so now now you know years later i'm like fuck this guy like you know like he was telling all the truth all the time that's kind of crazy and the cops killed him Yep. <laughs> kind of surprised to hear you still consider yourself an atheist, Luis, because I feel like you've talked to me about having uh, Jesus visit you during a plant medicine experience before in the past. But um, yeah, we could, we could get into that in a second. But one thing I was thinking, have you ever, have you guys ever thought about how like these substances were discovered? Like, how did somebody figure out if you burn cannabis, it will get you high or if like you put frog poison in a burn? or make a brew out of leaves from a shrub, like you'll have these profound conscious experiences or even with like DMT, you know, you basically go to like a whole nother realm of existence. Um, so yeah, this Thanksgiving, I'm, I'm certainly grateful for all those crazy bastards that came before us who tried all these different concoctions and compounds because <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that even happens, but along those same lines, it's kind of crazy to think that God or whatever it is that created humans decided to put these things on the planet. It kind of reminds me of like people who make movies, like directors putting Easter eggs in movies for you to find, you know, and get like a certain level of joy or satisfaction from. But I guess in like all seriousness, like what is the likelihood that certain substances or maybe even like different healing plants still exist somewhere on the planet and we've just yet not even acknowledge them or tap into them at all? That's a great question. Dude, that's another one of those amazing questions that come, you know? I think that, you know, like if you burn, like, you know, there's like lightning and then they it burns a bush. Like, you know, it's probably easy to like smell it and, 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 and get the results. <laughs> but like something like fucking cutting down a cactus and boiling it in water for eight hours. Like, 
that's kind of crazy you know how did they do that or you know ayahuasca they're like how do they out you know in the entirety of the jungle they put two things together that they don't usually actually like hang out together and then decided to boil them together like out of tens of thousands of plants how do they pick those two you know like that's a well, great Dennis McKenna was recently on the Jordan Peterson podcast and he's heavily researched that area like interviewed people down in Peru and shamans of you know cuz the 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 chances of mixing the ayahuasca bark from with with a plant that you know is a monooxidase inhibitor the chances of finding that and mixing it with the right leaf that has DMT in it you know cuz DMT's in basically all life on the planet but you can eat a pound of it it's not going to do anything to you because it gets metabolized in our bloodstream so yeah the the, the odds of that happening are, are incredibly low right and so dennis mckenna terrence mckenna's brother um they've studied this and dennis said that you know if you ask the shamans like why or how they did this and they the shamans replied that the plants told them and um and graham hancock as well has also done some research in that field and he's asked the same question to different people down there and they also replied with the same answer the plants told him so you jason that question you just asked earlier is profound man like what if there is something that hasn't told us that you know like <laughs> that there's something out there that we we haven't found yet or that hasn't maybe found us yet and and you know who or what could that do to and you know to maybe flip us flip this whole consciousness around and and get over this war and this government and all this bullshit you know like maybe it's out there <laughs> i mean I, obviously i think it's right there right in front of us right now with mushrooms and cannabis and 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 dmt and ayahuasca and stuff like that i think that that is an answer to free humanity right there but at, on the same token i see a lot of people that do these things and they remain trapped in their paradigm of of like obstinance and and like uh, essentially authoritarianism it's it's crazy i wanted to ask you that Luis. like how do you think that someone can go and expand their mind to these massive realms where you know you're one with nature and and you're connected universally to all life on the planet and then when you come off that, you think you have the authority to fucking tell somebody that they need to pay you taxes and pay for a prison <laughs> and lock somebody up for a fucking plan, right? <laughs> How the fuck does that happen, man? Yeah, no, absolutely. It like it, it is kind of impossible, you know. Okay, well, it is not. It's not impossible. I will say, like, I know a lot of people who, you know, they're in the healing community that I call like spiritual junkies. That like they go. They, they have like a badge of honor of how many times they've taken ayahuasca but they're dealing with the same damn problem that they were dealing with like five six years ago you know oh i gotta go take medicine well what like integration is like you know what my teachers have told me integration is what's most important they said you know the, the ceremony even though it's hard that's the easy part the hard part is like taking what you learned and implementing it and seeing how you know basically you are the one that's holding you back from all these things or you know how like the action that you have to take and and that is so hard for like i mean for all of us right because i i don't like to hear when i fuck up right but you know i think that feedback is a gift and if somebody's able to tell you where you're falling short yeah it feels bad but you have to listen and you have to do something about it you know so I've, like I said, yeah, I've seen a lot of people do that. 
um, so I could see how that could happen. And even, dude, like something that, like, oh my god, people in the same spiritual community being predators, mm. you know, like they're using plant medicine that they still take, but they get like, like really dark. And I'm not saying dark as in like, you know, I mean, we're both dark and light, but like what I mean, like they get pretty fucking predatory. So there is that aspect that I've seen sadly also. Uh, but to your point, if we are honest with ourselves, like we will hurt and be like, but, okay, one of the things that I've noticed, the biggest keys to my liberation have been given to me at the same time that I'm given the worst feedback. You know, like whenever I saw how I was holding myself, like what is my part in that entire cycle, you know? It is uh, some of the most difficult and unpleasant experiences that I've had were the some of the biggest gifts. You know, when I, I had like, I believe I had PTSD from a DMT trip at one point and had I not had that DMT or had I not had that feeling of anxiety and this this PTSD is how there's no other way to describe it. I wouldn't have uh, ever met you, Luis, because <laughs> who better to approach with this kind of problem PTSD from a DNT trip than the libertarian shaman on Facebook and Jason put us in contact. And here we are almost a decade later discussing these things. I second that. Anytime I get super high, you're the first person I think talk to, Luis. So thank you for that. I think that's your shaman quality coming through. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That is so sweet, guys. I mean, seriously, I was I was suffering for for several days after this DMT trip. I was locked in this place in this ether for for what seemed like you know decades, and it, and I was I was and it was only like fifteen minutes before I could you know got some semblance of reality back. But for days after I, my reality, I was like I thought I might have gone insane, and I was freaking out. And uh, when I talked to you and you kind of just you talked me through it and told me how i mean this was 10 years ago so i can't remember verbatim our conversation but the way that you were able to explain to me how i was feeling and, and how to cope with it 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 made it all better like almost instantaneously i think i just i needed you to be there at that moment you know and then since then we've become great fucking friends and and that came from a terrible experience and the same thing with uh my first dm or my first ayahuasca experience that I did in 2012, like I believe that put, it was not pleasant at all. It was torture for basically eight hours. And that put me on a path, however, that led me directly to Jason Bassler. <laughs> and, you know, then we, then we launched everything else after that. And, you know, again, here we are. I, I it's, it's crazy how you can take a negative experience like that. And then, it, and then it, brings you into this positive light, you know, and that's what, that's what blows my mind when people have these amazing, beautiful experiences uh, with psychedelics and then they go back and they, they're, they're trapped in that same authoritarian paradigm. Like maybe they need to have a really fucking bad one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or maybe they need the, whatever this Godhead to pick them up and fucking choke them and shake them like it did to me so many times in my, in my life. You know, or maybe the opposite is true. Maybe like their entire life has been nothing but pain and suffering. They just need somebody yeah. to hold them. You know, like it is so interesting to me how many times like, you know, I've had to encounter like rough guys and like 
it, it only ended up being like somebody that got neglected when they were little like you know uh, sometimes parents because they're like so dysfunctional they like they don't pay a lot of attention to you so they make you compete for their love with your siblings like there's a lot of that happening so it hardens you and it only hardens you because it's really hard to uh, go through life saying like my mom doesn't love me you know so you you get all tough and you know most of the tough guys are just like somebody that went through a lot of pain and and you know because they were little or they didn't have anybody to really walk them through it like they just turn into that kind of person so you know it it, it uh that's when i start to deploy empathy and i just start seeing like wow like for you to be such an asshole, that means that you're like in a lot of pain, dude. I am sorry, you know. So it, it, it's it's a it's a you know the prescription from Mother Ayahuasca can be different for everybody. Um, and yeah, like you know, you mentioned like having really hard experiences. Um, I remember, you know, every Ayahuasca experience being so hard until i got the christ consciousness that jason was talking about like <laughs> i would uh well first of all i learned that i don't need to bring my you know anything to the altar you know because like it, it's useless anyway you know like i would have like an intention i would have like you know these images or whatever like none of that was meant anything because it would always like i was gonna put me through the ringer so i learned <laughs> i learned that my main um, ideals were truth and love. Whatever comes, as long as it's, you know, truth and love. And then, you know, like I was able to like learn deeper and go through things. Because, you know, you think you want to heal a certain thing, but it's never that one thing. So, anyway, I, I, was, I was begging mother. I was, I was like, please, you always kick my ass. Can we do something that is like not painful and where I'm like crying? <laughs> and um, I so I take it and I don't feel anything. And then I take another one. I tell like I'm not gonna say his name. I tell like a guy and um, he gives me another one pretty rapidly. And then like it just kicks in super fast and, and like I feel in complete bliss as I'm laying down on my mat and I feel like, you know, what I like to talk about, like, you know, the Matrix code, it's kind of like raining on me, but it's golden, a golden mist of that kind of like weird Matrix code. It is like such a big thing, it's like mist that comes from, you know, like an asteroid has something in front of it that is pushing right so it's kind of like that same thing so it comes down and it happened to be like the christ consciousness and then like i am really that allowed me to understand why people worship at church because whenever i started feeling that i just felt like like so fucking insignificant and little and i was like oh my gosh i just want to praise you like this is so amazing and you know like the whole worship situation and I said are you God and he said no I'm not God I am the Christ consciousness so that's like the distinction you know like he didn't mention that he was God he said I am the Christ consciousness so in other in other words like uh, it, it kind of gets into the dualistic non-dualistic you know d dialect you know so everything is part of one thing so it's not like he is the outside magician that 
waves his wand and makes everything happen. It's like it's just part of the entire program, just like you and me. And he has accumulated a lot of uh, power, you know, through the work that he's done. And he, um, I'm, I'm getting shivery as I'm telling you, is um, he told me that, you know, you're going to be part of this. And I just started crying. And he said, think of me as your older brother. Think of me as somebody that can come uh, help you whenever you're in need. And I'm like getting teary thinking about that. So that's kind of what he said. And, you know, it was like so fucking amazing. But like, you know, that distinction, like, yeah, I'm not God, but you know, anyway, so I, I asked him, so what about all those fucking, like my mind just went to like, what about those fuckers that are on television? They're like to tell evangelists and they're like just scamming people. And he said, you know what? I give the blessing to whomever wants it. But the blessing can become a curse if you misuse it. So those guys are basically hanging themselves up with their own rope. Mm. You know, I give anybody who wants the blessing to them. But if you use it properly, it will become virtuous and it will become bigger. And you will, you know, like you'll be able to help more people. But if you use it in a dysfunctional way, it will tie you down to darkness. So it's like, I mean, at some point you're like, do you really even want this thing? Because it's so much responsibility, you know? Whew. What do you think? That's a lot of responsibility, man. I, uh, <laughs> and that's an amazing, an amazing conversation that, that you were able to have. I've been to that point where I've met that Christ consciousness, but our conversation was basically me just with my mouth wide open and crying like it was too overwhelming to to even interact with it and or whatever it is you know and <laughs> but it, it was certainly godlike and beautiful and amazing and like you said it was all these lights and colors and there was almost like a i mean i don't know like almost like a kingdom but not where there's like a surf class or a king you know it's like there was this kingdom that where everybody is is you know not oppressed or anything like that. I don't know. It's weird. I, I'm trying to relate it to it. like just fucking a picture out of a book, a kingdom. It was it was amazing like that, man. But you've certainly taken that. I don't know when that experience was that you've had, but um, you've certainly taken that torch and run with it, man. Whatever that Christ consciousness told you, you've certainly done that, and you're doing that with your breath work and. I was there last year. I was visiting you in September of last year, and you offered me a chance to do the breath work, and I, I, I something came up, so we weren't able to do it. But I, I fucking regret it, man. And I really wanted to. I really feel like that's a. I'm missing out, you know, like because I, I haven't been able to do any of this breath work with you. But um, how about you explain to our listeners a little bit about what that is, about how you can reach these higher states of consciousness without these entheogens that we've we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes yeah yeah i'd love to do that uh i i would like to you know uh perhaps just tell you know that that uh, christ consciousness was december 2016 and then december 2017 because after a while i just started doing it once a year because you know there is no point of like doing it super often you know because of the integration of like all that massive stuff that plant medicine gives you um I went back to my friend 
and then same thing happens i'm stuck you know i take three cups and nothing happens and i said hey dude what the hell's happening and he kind of does like a little reading on me like it's you know it's like 20 people it's a dark room and he says hold on he kind of turns around grabs his shawl of sorts puts it on me and starts doing some chanting some like burning things and, and like and he says he's asking me to initiate you and i'm like okay what he says you have mastered living now you have to master dying and transitions i'm like oh boy that sounds fun you know um like because you know at that point like uh, i i had been able to achieve some crazy things you know like financially or you know professionally or you know having kids and like you know so it's like, yeah, you've mastered that. Now it's time to master the other side because to actually be part of the Christ consciousness, you have to be able to go to like through the darkness and death and dying and coming back out to be able to like, you know, claim that you're even this. Oh my fucking God. <laughs> okay, fine. I mean, what else are you supposed to do, right? <laughs> so, you know, after that and to this day, like um, I had relatives who died. I lost you know at this point probably like um income that you know probably 90 percent of my income um i got divorced um i uh you know the the um consulting agency where word got disbanded the lady who like was my mentor died like everything just fell apart but you know i had my friend in the back of my mind i could hear his voice like you have to master transitions and dying so as all of this is falling apart I am, you know, not losing my shit because I know that it is part of it. All of this is part of it. And I have to, you know, it's kind of like the book of Job, you know, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away, blessed is the Lord. And that shit, like, I mean, it is, you know, and even at some point in the book of Job, the wife says, why don't you just fucking curse God and die? You know, just like, this is stupid. Let it go. Like, no, it's part of it. It's part of the test. We have to keep going. And, you know, so that that was it's still pretty intense to this day. I was telling you guys a little bit about it, about, you know, before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, took me on to like crazier things that are, well, I, I say crazier, but, you know, uh, things that are a little bit more complex. So I was able to help, you know, a lot of people still to this day. And there were a lot of people who didn't want the legality aspect of plant medicine so i said hey um i need your help i said i need to find something where i can take people through this healing journey without plant medicine and that just sounds ridiculous like how can you like you know even think or or conjure in your mind i want to make people high like mushrooms without mushrooms right like when you say it like like you're fucking dumb dude so and I know that it sounded weird, but I just, I, I, you know, like Robert Greenlee from Servant Leadership, he says, when the spirit moves through you, you have to give it a voice. So I just said it. I, we need to get this done, please. So, okay. I get invited to an Acapulco uh, in Mexico, which I just produced their online version like last Sunday. And it, I, I got to speak and maybe two or three dudes after me was Sean Stone the son of Oliver Stone. And when he finished his speech, he said, hey, me and my girlfriend Kaya are gonna do 
a breathwork on the beach. If you guys want to come, join us. I'm like, who doesn't want to hang out with Sean Stone? <laughs> so I go. And so we start breathing, and um, I start getting restless. And I think, this is so stupid. I'm getting bit by ants. We're in the sun. It's so silly. You know, the monkey mind does what it has to do to keep you safe, right? So, but I just, I know, I know that that's part of the game. So I just keep breathing. I keep doing whatever I'm asked to do. And at some point, I, like, just, that stops. And I get projected. And I connect with some long-lost brothers and sisters that are, like, you know interdimensional beings and I start crying because you know as anarchists and libertarians it's kind of hard sometimes to make friends because of, I mean just that very thing right like people think we're weird or, or whatever um, then you know as an immigrant you know like I have you know uh, yeah, you know the, the Mexican token whatever so like the the, the it gets kind of uh, you know, there's still only a handful of friends. So, whenever I connected with these entities, I just started bawling because they were like, you know, I know that sometimes you feel alone, but I want you to know that we're always here and we're watching you and you're doing great and you have to keep going. And I was like, fuck. Like, that was like something that touched me so deep. And I said, I found it. Thank you. This is it. So, you know, I did what I needed to do and I took the course. I, I was like, was learning under Kaya, uh, Kaya Lee, um, Sean Stone's girlfriend, because she's the one that has the mystery school of breathwork. And, you know, I did the online for like, I don't know, six, seven, eight months. And then I went to Montecitos, California, and did like, uh, I think like it's like a seven day um, intensive. Dude, wow. Like, we were doing breathwork twice a day for like five days. And, you know, I took that back, you know, we had to like do an interim of, you know, um, doing practicing before we could, you know, do it at, at large. So that was one of the amazing experiences. I have a friend who has cerebral palsy. And at the end of the breath work, he said, Luis, I didn't see anything. And I really didn't trip or anything, but I can feel muscles that I have never felt before. So I was like, fuck, like, you know, it's healing in various ways. Like, you know, you can be on both sides of the spectrum. You can be like Louis seeing fucking aliens or you can see be my friend, you know, feeling like physical healing that you have never even considered happening, you know? Wow, that's incredible, man. Can can you have like a like sometimes you know you so you take too many mushrooms or like what happened with me when I did too much DMT that time? And I was, I guess, for lack of a better term, having a bad trip. Could is that possible with this breath work? Does that is that do you get to that state of consciousness where you might not be able to like to quit? And, and so that's a, the reason I, I say that is because you're not taking a substance, you're not metabolizing anything, you're actually turning something on in your brain, which I think we have that innate ability to do so, and this breath work allows that to happen. So but you don't have a substance in your stomach that's metabolizing that's going to keep you going you know so that's what i'm curious do you is can you get locked into it and you can can you have like a bad trip or this or have you ever experienced anybody like having any kind of negative experience like that you know the times that we've been told to really be mindful for is whenever people have like uh mental health things mm -hmm. like 
um, bipolars, um, schizophrenics, things like that, they advise us not to uh, do it because then, like, you know, it can trigger some things that we cannot handle, you know? But as far as, like, bad trips, like, yeah, I want, like, cause, okay, let me, let me define that. Like, being completely out of control to where you feel like you're in hell no which is what i would define a bad trip would you disagree or would you agree no that's like that's what i'm talking i've had some okay. negative experiences but they weren't bad trips you know like there's yeah that, that time i had ptsd that was a bad trip <laughs> yeah right. so like the, the beautiful thing about breath work is that you uh even though you are letting go you can stop breathing at any minute. I mean, hopefully, like, not forever. Like, you can stop the breath work, you know? It, it's not going to be the same thing. Now, will you have difficult things come up? Yes, without a doubt. Now, one of the things is, like, we, we um, talk about informed um, healing. Like, you, you know, a lot of times, even in, in the ayahuasca uh, groups and, and the plant, like, yeah, you will puke, you will, like, do all of these things. But they kind of ask you to keep it low, right? And that's like out of respect for your neighbors, um, which is totally reasonable. But here, they're like, if you feel like you need to fucking scream, scream. You know, it's it's a somatic unwinding. If you feel like you need to punch the pillow, punch the pillow. You know, I just give people pillows or ask them to bring pillows. And then they can like scream and muffle themselves on the pillow. So at one time, um, I laughed uncontrollably for at least 15 minutes straight. I don't know how I had the energy to do that. And that triggered another woman in, in, you know, her release. And then that triggered another woman. So, like, you know, all of those things, like, the, the group is healing together, uh, which is kind of crazy for libertarians to think about. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> um, but you, you can, like, you can have group healing that is, like, you know, triggered by that. And then there's a time that I was, like, crying like crazy. Like, or, you know, so all of that's to say, you will have challenging experiences but you're not going to be like yeah you know like <laughs> one time i i uh, you know for legal purposes this is a joke one time i was taking mushrooms um and and i got like really scared and i was texting my my friend theo and i said tj what do, what do i do can i stop this he says nope you're fucked just wait it out you know so like i it was like probably another three more hours where i was like you know just crying <laughs> so like yeah no that's not going to happen to you on breath work right that's awesome i mean i guess you have to keep breathing to keep it going right you have to keep doing whatever the method is that you teach <clears throat> yeah yeah and, and that's another thing like it's called breath work for a reason yeah. like you're working for <laughs> it you know like like you, you dude like my belly's flat now so it's it's like you will work your muscles uh which is you know a nice side effect like you'll be kind of fit uh, and another wonderful thing about it is that it's like everything is interconnected. For instance, I don't know anything about liver function. I don't know shit about it. Like, I don't just turn around and tell my liver work, you know? Like, my, there's a part of my body that does all of these automatic things that I have no control about, right? The only way to get to control those things, like the meditators were being studied back in the 70s, is through breathing. Like, breath work is the, the way to consciously moving in in operating like you know hacking your body if you will so um you can like i'm not supposed to make 
claim so maybe I shouldn't say that but yeah you can get a level of homeostasis uh, when you breathe in a certain way um, you can soothe the nervous system uh, I'm trying to be really mindful of my words and y like you can um, you can get a lot of relief you know so it's it, it you know physically it also helps with hunger like if you have a lot of it or have very little like it regulates you basically and you have uh, in your body you know the, the um, adrenals the adrenals that's what they are so they help you cleanse your body right sometimes they're like overwhelmed so this helps you detoxify a little bit of that so dude, it's like you know physically mentally spiritually it's it's a truly fantastic thing because of the actual way that you're breathing diaphragmatic breathing it massages all of those things you know and and like one book that i really suggest people reading is uh, one breath by um Nestor, and he explains really thoroughly like the the results of diaphragmatic breathing dude i know wim hoff was able to control his body temperature right he could slow his pulse he could he could raise his body temperature to like a feverish state he could lower it there was all kinds of crazy shit he could do right like just through breathing so and and they i think that they even like examined him in like a medical setting right to 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 confirm all these things that he could do with his with just breathing so oh yeah dude i can do that too now the the the, the thing is okay so how are we different from wim hof it's the same thing, but he uses mostly uh, mouth breathing, you know, to an extent. Mm -hmm. And and when you're doing that, it activates the sympathetic nervous system. What does that even mean? Fight or flight. That's why he's able to withstand cold. That's why he's able to withstand like pain and, and you know, the, all these crazy feats, right? Um, but we used nose inhale. So that, um, you know, works with the parasympathetic nervous system, which is wrists reproduce rejuvenate now you can get trippy with Wim Hof but because it's activating um, adrenaline basically like if you're tripping and then you're trying to heal some old stuff and then you get adrenaline like you're gonna get double traumatized so that's why it's important to like you know do the physical things with Wim Hof and if you want to do more uh, somatic healing with my kind of breath work that's awesome. I heard a crazy story about uh, somebody doing Wim Hof and it was like this attorney in California and they were doing this ceremony and the dude basically channeled a wolf and it, he like started howling and shit and basically quit his job being an attorney and thought he was a fucking wolf. Have you heard that? I know it sounds fucking crazy. I have but. not heard that. That like, I mean, that. I hope people don't think that that's what happens regularly. No, no, but that's what I, he. That maybe that's the flight or flight shit. You know, like maybe he's something. It maybe and he also might have had some kind of triggered schizophrenic episode or something like that. But uh, you know, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I was I was knocking on Wim Hof, not breath work. <laughs> the, fight, the, the, the fight or flight, that's an interesting take on it. Because I guess, yeah, if you're bleeding through, your, it, it would certainly trigger that because you're like out of breath being chased or something. So instead of being yeah. calmly taking in a, a, a breath through your nose and then blowing out of the mouth, is that is that is that how it starts? Is it mouth then or nose then mouth or is it all nose? Um, it well, they do mostly mouth, but they do nose too. And, and you know, like the thing is, when you're breathing, 
like on your chest and shoulders um that's like how most people breathe right so that's why they have anxiety that's why they have tension so what we like to teach is how babies breathe you know because a lot of people say like how am i gonna pay you all this money to teach me how to breathe i was like bro first of all you don't know how to breathe let me help you you know and and like okay i sell kratom too as you guys know i've been put myself out of a job selling kratom by teaching people how to breathe properly you know okay sure I, like but my goal is not necessarily to make money my goal is to help people so when we're doing diaphragmatic breathing we're going to breathe in our belly like towards our navel by the belly button and a lot of times you know in our society we want to look skinny we want to look good so we don't breathe like down in our bellies but that creates all sorts of problems so you know it is physiologically impossible to have anxiety when you do long deep breaths you know that's like you know some something that people can take and run with it today um, so starting you know when people feel agitated or anxious just slow down and start breathing to your belly button. And now, the most important part of the whole thing is the exhalation. Because, you know, even in the book Breath by Nestor, he says that a lot of people that have, like, asthma, it's like they feel that they cannot inhale, but in reality, they just haven't been able to exhale fully. So, like, you know, the most important thing is, like, squeezing out everything. And then more. And then more. And that brings in new, fresh, oxygenated air to release the old stale one dude is wonderful i'm getting calm right now i'm doing this as you as you speak as i listen to you talk i'm breathing through my nose and with my belly and taking these big deep breaths and uh obviously not doing it to the microphone but it, it seriously i just got calmer by just doing that for it works seconds. and you just did it for exactly for you don't need to like have a big investment like you know just doing this you know like on demand when you feel like you have the need or you know just creating your own practice like you know morning or afternoon taking like 10 minutes that's all you need i know you had mentioned kratom and that's something that we all seem to enjoy and over the years luis you've become quite an advocate and expert on kratom it's crazy how many times throughout my daily life that i will talk to people who still have no idea what kratom is in fact, just yesterday I was talking to my barber about it and he was completely clueless about the plant and what it does. So just a little bit of departure from some of the psychedelics uh, and that stuff. Like, can you take a moment to maybe explain what Kratom is yeah. to someone who has never really heard of it before and maybe what the benefits you use it for? I'll be happy to. So, okay, some people call it Kratom. Some people call it Kratom, the, like, you know, potato, potato, whatever the hell you want. Um, so it is a shrubbery from Indonesia. Um, it comes from you know Southeast Asia, the Ring of Fire, and they've been using it over there for I don't know. I think I read like at least three hundred years, um, and and they use it kind of like the Incas use like coca leaf, you know, like they use it for energy, a little pep in their step. Um, but unlike coca leaf, like which is a vasoconstrictor, so what it does is like it, it creates like you know a little more pumping in your heart, so it gives you a little extra energy. It has, again, trying to be mindful of, of legalities, uh, some people claim that it relieves their pain. So I am one of those. Um, I'll go ahead and claim that it relieves pain. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I don't really have pain, thank God, uh, but I got a brown recluse bite, I don't know, like seven years ago, um, and my energy just went, like, I didn't have necrosis and I didn't lose my limb or anything, but my energy just went through like the shitter. So 
I was doing podcasts back then, and one of my friends told me, hey, so have you heard of Kratom? Maybe we can trade. I'll, I'll, you can do some uh, commercials for me in exchange for Kratom. I'm like, sure, fine. So I started taking it, and dude, like, I, you know, we take it for granted. I used to just, you know, you could, when you're driving, sometimes you're driving just with one hand. I couldn't even do that, you know? Like, I didn't have the strength to just put one arm on the wheel. So I started taking Kratom, and it was able to help me get through my day, you know, uh, and because I have two kids, you know, I'm responsible for a lot of people that work with me too. So I couldn't just say, well, fuck it, right? So I needed a way. So I found Kratom, or Kratom found me, and, and, and I said, okay, if this is this helpful for me, I'm sure that there's a lot of people who could find benefit from it. Incidentally, that's when uh, the federal government wanted to turn it into a Schedule 1. So I said, ah, okay, this is a perfect opportunity. So, you know, that uh, prohibition made it so popular, so I started selling it. So I still have my, my store, Best Damn Kratom, and um, I use it for energy purposes, um, you know, and a little bit for my ADHD. Uh, some people use it for pain management. I've had, like, I create my in-house uh, extract, which is not like a tincture. I don't just, like, soak the leaves. Like, we extract the alkaloids to have, like, a consistent batch. Uh, you know, I have a friend with cancer, I have a friend with multiple sclerosis, uh, you know, all sorts of things. And people take it for that. And they, like, that's the one thing that gives them quality of life. Uh, yeah, they can get hydrocodone and all of those things, but, they, you know, they say, you know, I'm just a zombie. I'm alive. I have no pain, but I'm a zombie. But Kratom allows me to be. Uh, and I'm, I relate, dude. Like, I get it. So it's uh, super, super fantastic. I mean, the two of you have had it too. And one of the things that, like, I see as a huge opportunity is, you know, I have friends who are making like $60,000 a month moving Kratom. And. I think there's only like 13% of the U.S. population that knows about Kratom. So it's a fantastic thing, you know? Like, I never wanted to get into CBD because everybody's into CBD. Like, you're not going to make any money. So, <laughs> you know, moving into something that is not saturated, you know? Yeah. And Kratom is uh, constantly under the attack by the big pharmaceutical companies and the government. Just recently, they launched another campaign to try to make people fearful of, uh, you know, of Kratom. We've covered plenty of stories on the Free Thought Project where the USDA, FDA, they've all attacked Kratom and claimed that they, you know, 47 people died in the last five years from Kratom. You know, they had Kratom in their system and the FDA has a, a reporting system to where like if, the, if, if Kratom is discovered in an autopsy, they have to report it back. So the FDA knows everybody who has died and who has had Kratom in their system. So the fact that they only had just, you know, several dozen people that had Kratom in their system and were also found dead, you know, that that tells you how if it was just Kratom in their system, that tells you how not deadly it is. Right. There's, we're talking years. Um, you could die from drinking too much milk or too much water. But this is how it was. It was so disingenuous and dishonest that the you, the FDA was they forgot to tell you that all these other people, they didn't just have Kratom in their system. They had fentanyl, meth, cocaine, all these other drugs, and we're still trying to tell people that, that, that these were deaths from Kratom. So yeah, it's a, it, they, they demonize, and this was when Scott Gottlieb was the head of the FDA, and he claimed within the FDA that there was no medical use for it. There's no contrary to the public opinion where people would claim that it helps to with... Uh, 
to decrease the symptoms from opioid withdrawal or helps people through opioid withdrawal. He claimed that there's no evidence to suggest that when the company that he worked for, Merck, prior to becoming the head of the FDA, actually has a patent on one of the the alkaloids in Kratom that actually does just that. So he was the CEO at Merck. They actually have a patent because they studied it, uh, the one of the alkaloids in the Kratom plant for that very reason. And he comes to the FDA and he says the exact opposite. And I mean, it's it's so the, the fact that this plant is under so much fire from the, the government is should be a red flag and also a green light to try it because it's, uh, you know, it's not <clears throat> it's not this dangerous thing that the government and all these people make it out to be. It's actually a very beneficial thing that's helped a lot of people, including a lot of my friends who I've given it to for free, um, I, like supplied it for months because they were addicted to opioids and now they're not you know it's literally saved all these people's lives and i don't care about the legal claims i have firsthand you know watched this unfold in front of me and uh i mean i'm not going to go on record and say like hey i can make sure that it's going to stop you from you know dying of opioid overdose but i've, I've watched it happen I, i've seen people turn their lives around because they started taking kratom instead of oxycontin or you know like lortabs or all these other things so Anyway, sorry to go on that rant, but I, I get most of my Kratom from Luis. I get some uh, some cheaper Kratom. That, that's the stuff that I give away. Luis is, is like the cream of the crop. There's no doubt about it. That's why it's called Best Damn Kratom. And um, it's too good to – I give it to my close friends, but I, I like I buy this cheaper stuff to give away to people that I – you know, acquaintances who need it that, that can't maybe afford it or whatever. But uh, – yeah, I, it's it's a life changer, and it's certainly changed my life, man. I, I got surgery on my wrist, and then instead of taking the Lortabs that the doctor prescribed me, I took Kratom, and it helped. Well said, Matt. Yeah, all that is important to uh, mention, and the whole Scott Gottlieb disaster over there, and, and all his uh, you know perverse incentives. So I'm glad that you touched on that. All right, free thinkers, this episode is nearing its end. Just a reminder, we've been working extremely hard to bring you some of the most powerful voices in the truth liberty movement. We work tirelessly for you to bring these concepts to the masses and to educate and wake up those who continue to sleep. Please don't forget to consider donating or subscribing if you appreciate the work we do. It's becoming more and more difficult to do this, and we can no longer depend on social media advertisers of big tech monetization. Our support network is you. So help us rebuild this organization by going to our website, thefreethoughtproject.com, and at the top you'll find tabs for our memberships and donations. Also, please review and rate this podcast if you enjoyed it. Thank you, Freethinkers. Uh, we are getting close to the wrap point here. I know, Luis, you have stuff to do later today. Can you tell people how they could find you and go ahead and mention anything you'd like to plug? Yes, please. Uh, I am uh, bestdamnkratom.com. I am redoing the website because I know it's like, you know, really fast. It's nice, it's tidy, but it's like I'm creating something with a lot more information because I know that's what's needed, education about it. Also, Emancipated Human, I'm a leadership development consultant. Um, you know, I've worked with PG&E, I've worked with University of Pennsylvania, I've worked with, you know, all, like a lot of the big ones for, um, yeah, I mean... Um, Fort 500, things like that. Um, Luis Fernando Mises on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram, I mostly post pictures of my cats, so I don't know that you want to see that. 
uh, Facebook. I'm banned right now. I still have another day or so, but I, I try to be, you know. So like my jam is basically um, just being present, you know. Be like, what, what, what are you about? Like, it's it's not. I'm not trying to, you know, create a vibe of. Um, fakeness i like to know about people i like to connect uh so you know i, I really kind of like the style of gary vaynerchuk situation like i think that guy is like one of the biggest uh shamans there are in in, in you know in, in capitalism right now so i really like that guy um I'm, I'm about you know helping people find their true selves and and really stick with that so happy to be here with you too you guys are awesome and i'm thankful for everything that you guys are doing well, there's a reason why we call you the libertarian shaman and uh, I think you do exactly that man and um, I highly suggest uh, signing up for Luis's breathwork classes if you get a chance to do so definitely check out his kratom and yeah we all have different roles to play in waking up the public you know and, and empowering people inspiring people to their own potential and to the, the ideas of freedom the concept of freedom and lucky for you, you're, you're really good at the role you've taken on. But then again, it's not really luck. It's a lot of hard work, sacrifice, thinking outside of the box while traversing a uphill battle. So uh, your devotion to the topics we discussed today, your endless quest for self-education and dedication to liberty has been an inspiration and why we hold such high opinions of you. Your work is absolutely necessary and maybe just as crucial as any celebritarian or influencer in the liberty movement because you know we can't fix the world around us without fixing ourselves first so thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and knowledge with us today and thank you for all you do for humanity i'm so honored to be with you guys uh like through life not just in this podcast you know going through life with you guys thank you